The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob here. Asking for money, dealing with how you feel about asking for money uh, and whether you should be asking more or in fact less because sometimes you can push people away if you ask for money too early. That's the subject of this money podcast. I'm going to focus on raising money for joint ventures, increasing your fees, uh, maybe asking for salary raises or generally if you've ever had any problems with asking for money. Now, there's many people I mentor in the progressive community um, who they just don't want to put themselves out there. They have this problem with asking for money. Maybe it's deep rooted back to their childhood or maybe they feel they're not credible enough yet. And why would anyone give them money if they haven't done dozens of property deals? By the same token, I know so many people who are starting businesses and their fees are too low. I've spoken to two business owners this week, one who runs a gym and one who runs like a beautician. Both of them are charging way too little. They know it's too little, but for some reason they can't charge what they're worth. Uh, and I think that this next maybe 15 minutes or so, I've got an agenda of about 12 points, I think could really help you. Um, so first off, I would ask you a question because I could give you all the reasons why people are uncomfortable asking for money, but actually we're all a bit different with a different upbringing. So what, why are you uncomfortable with asking for money uh, if you're uncomfortable asking for money? Now, you don't have to go and publicise that on Facebook, but I'd like you to think about why you're uncomfortable um, asking for money. Um, the next thing is, if you're the opposite, where you're not uncomfortable asking for money at all. I've also mentored a couple of people this week. One lady in particular says she does no problem. She just goes and asks for it. And sometimes she asks too soon. And it's like, oops, I shouldn't have said that. It's a bit too soon in the relationship. So uh, conversely, if you're quite happy to ask for money and you're going out there asking for money, you maybe could be doing that a bit early and pushing people away. So I'll address both sides of that equation. So if you're not asking for money enough, pay rises, increase in fees, JV finance, I'm not going to beat around the bush. The best way for you to overcome that fear is to ask more for money, um, though I do have a more elegant way of doing that. And so I would challenge you to go out there. And when you've got a deal there or a venture worth investing in, picking up the phone uh, and just you know, saying, hey, look, I've got a deal. I don't know if you're interested. You don't have to be really pushy about it. I would certainly challenge you to do that. And those of you that are really quite pushy and salesy and you're out there a lot and you have no problem with that and you're like, yeah, let's just hustle and you know, it's a numbers game, you probably need to be a bit more patient and you probably need to wait. Now, I've got a few people who are very well known. They're big celebrities. They're worth a lot of money who I'm doing various ventures with. And I know I could probably call in a few million quid in finance if I wanted to. But I figure if I wait a year or two or three years, um, it depends on who they are and how long I've known them. Um, you know, I might not have to ask because it might just come my way. Or if I'm a little bit more patient and because people don't care what you know till they know that you care. Um, maybe if I take a slightly longer term view, then, you know, the business is going to be um, more based on trust and relationship and it's going to come easier. OK, so. Here are some reasons why you may have a problem asking for more money, increasing your fees, JVs, etc. Perhaps you may perceive that they perceive that you're greedy, you know, that you're just 
out for the money um, and you know, you're not really about the people and the relationships. Perhaps you may fear rejection. Perhaps you may fear ridicule. Perhaps you may have this imposter syndrome or not feel that you're credible enough yet to do that and you need to get more proof first. Um, but how do you actually get going? Because no one starts with proof. Every master was once a disaster. Every beginner, every winner was once a beginner. You may fear, for example, that people don't like you. Um, you may feel that you will lose business or opportunity and push people away. Or, you know, if you can relate to any of those, great. You should be honest and find out what the one is for you. Uh, so now I can go into giving you some strategies to basically raising more money and increasing your fees. So I think the first thing you have to remember is that um, people will hate about you the very thing that is great about you. So if you don't ever ask for any money, there's only one guarantee, and that's that you won't get any. But whatever you think they may perceive about you, lack of credibility, that you're greedy, that you're pushy, that you're money hungry, you know, that they may reject you, blah, blah, blah. They're probably not thinking it. Most of the time, people are solely bothered about what's going on in their own world and their own problems and difficulties. And therefore, all the things that you make up in your head um, that they may react to or do towards you and your pitch and your offering, they probably won't. And the only way you'll know how they react is if you test anyway. So that's the first thing. You, what, you know what you think they're thinking, they're not thinking. So the second thing is, well, I don't want to guess what anyone's thinking. I want to know what anyone's thinking because when I know what they're thinking and I've asked enough people for money and they've given me all the critique and feedback and rejection and acceptance, I build a really good knowledge base of generally how people are and generally when they're comfortable or when it's too early or maybe when I've been taking too much time to, to ask for the money. And so I get a better sense of knowledge and experience and then I've, I feed that forward into my future pitches. So um, I always have this testing mentality. I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves. I've got to get this right. I need to get this deal done. If I don't raise this money, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose credibility with the estate agents. I'm never going to get a deal from the estate agents again. I'm never going to be able to walk down the street ever again. I'm never going to be able to like, face anyone. I'm going to have to put a bag over my head and no one. Yeah. You know, we, we make it a lot bigger than it is. But, you know, I think you'll agree if you've watched or listened to me over the years. I've said and done plenty of silly things. And, you know, I stick my face out there and I've got plenty of critics and trolls and haters. I think one thing I've learned to do over the years, which has certainly helped me, not saying I'm a master, I'm a student, and that is that I've learned not to take myself too seriously. I've learned that everything is a test rather than making it to, um, you know, make or break. You know when people say, oh, this moment, it's my make or break. Well, no, it's not, because you've got another go tomorrow and another go tomorrow and another go tomorrow. And you can always ask, and if they say, um, no, you can say, oh, no problem, okay, maybe we'll talk about this later. You can backtrack a bit and you think, oh, okay, I got, I got to my boundary there and just track back a bit and then ask in a different way or in the future. So um, see everything as a test rather than an absolute. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. And every time you get a bit of knockback or a no or some rejection, that's great. You want that. You want the feedback. Would you rather they danced around and led you down a garden path for months and months and months and then actually didn't have any money when they said they did? Or would you rather early get feedback in the form of mild rejection um, and, and then therefore, when they say no, at least you can say no problem. You know, how could I um, make the deal look better for you or what kind of deal would look good to you? What would you invest in? Then you get feedback and every, every opportunity, every rejection is an opportunity to learn. Whereas a lot of people are sort of standing back from rejection. Therefore, they don't learn. Therefore, they don't take any action because they don't improve. OK, the next thing is, uh, uh, more and more I've been helping people try and make binary choices, i.e. A or B. Uh, and I think a lot of the times we're overwhelmed, we're confused, we're going through things in our heads, we're going to overcomplicate things. 
overcomplicate things. I, I, I know when I, I get like that and there's too many things going on in my brain, I like to go, okay, can I get myself to a, an A or B choice, a black or white choice? Um, and here's how you do it. And this will really help you with big decisions or all decisions or decisions around money, any or all. And that is, what is the bigger pain? Because ultimately, um, you'll probably avoid the bigger pain and therefore do the other one. So at the moment, if you've got problems asking for money, you perceive asking for money as a bigger pain than the result you'll get asking for the money. Otherwise, you'd ask for the money. So try and spin that on its head and think, what's the bigger pain for me? Not getting any money or asking for money? Because I've certainly been forced to grow and learn things about you know, raising money and being in business um, that I didn't necessarily think I was able to learn or I just it happened through being forced into a position where it was do this scary thing or lose or don't make loads of money. Uh, and a bigger pain for me than most things in life is losing or not making a load of money. And therefore, it's easier. I didn't get into public speaking because I like it or I enjoyed it or I was good at it. I got into it because it was more painful for me to leave all the millions of pounds on the table from not being a public speaker. I didn't sort of do JVs with Mark uh, and, and raise millions of pounds through Mark and then his mum and then his stepdad and then my mum, then my, un uh, my uncle um, and, and then the private investors that we have. I didn't. Um, do all that intentionally and with skill and volition, I did it because it was more painful for me to be skinned, more painful for me not to buy properties. So when you make it a binary choice like that and you compare, you know, let's, let's be honest, a lot of people don't like asking for money. It's a very British culture. We, you know, we, we perceive that people are going to think that we're um, greedy or pushy or we only want them for one thing. That's quite a British culture. If you're American and you're watching or listening or from an, uh, that, that, that more sort of outgoing culture, you may not have the same problem. Um, but bear with me because I've got something for you as well, because sometimes you sell too much. So just break it down to what the bigger pain is. And you'll find you start doing those things that you initially found scary because it's more scary. You know, imagine five or 10 years down the line when you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone and you don't start asking for money for JVs and for deals and you don't start increasing your fees and negotiating with your boss for a higher salary. How are you going to feel in five or 10 years when your career is going nowhere and you're not making as much money? And you, 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 how are you going to feel? That's going to be more painful. OK, next thing then is I actually don't really ask for money. Uh, and this in some regard is going to contradict everything I've said, but I think you can make it layer it rather than it be a separate thing. But I would say 90 percent of the time when I've raised finance and I've raised tens of millions of pounds, I say that with humility, but also with confidence. I have. That's a fact. I don't think I've ever sat someone down and gone, right, mate, where's the money? Uh, can I borrow money? Will you lend me money? I don't think I've ever used those words. I think I've built a relationship, got to know someone on a, a personal and business level, got to know a lot about them, started moving towards doing business together. Uh, and I think it's just kind of been a decision that's come together and dovetailed because there's a relationship, there's trust, there's proof, there's a bit of time together. There's some time bridging of we've got memories of things we've experienced together. Like Mark and I used to go out in, in, in town just down the road here in Peterborough socially two or three evenings a week in the early days. Uh, and Mark put a good few deposits into deals, his money. Um, and I don't think it was ever said that that's what it was going to be. I think it was just like, all right, let's get into property together. How are we going to finance it? Well, I ain't got any money, but I'm prepared to work and do whatever it takes. He's like, no problem. I'll put the deposit in and I'll take first charge. So I've got security. No problem, Mark. And, and you know, we just kind of agreed it together. And I think that's a nice way of coming to a deal. And, and for those of you that have no problem asking for money and you push for the money, sometimes you'll push people away. Like with Mark, my business partner, if you asked him for money, you'd probably push him away. You've got to go through a bit of a dance. You've got to build a relationship. 
you know, and if you want to think of this in terms of being more strategic and, and maybe a more sales strategy, think of it as reverse selling. So selling is just asking for the money. Reverse selling is building up the relationship, you, you know, being smart with your questions and guiding the conversation uh, such that in the end they say to you, OK, well, I'm, I'm interested in that deal. Give me the numbers. Let's talk business. You know, when they start saying those phrases, give me the numbers, let's talk business, etc. You know that they're now inviting you to you know, propose or pitch to them. Now, don't go into pitch mode. If you can keep it all conversational, it'll be a lot better. But if you've got an invitation to basically show a deal or make a proposal or a venture, then you haven't really depositioned yourself as, oh, I'm asking for the money and I need the money and you're up there and I'm down here and not worthy. Uh, and I call that reverse selling. Okay, next thing then is I want to give you a hypothetical situation, which you can't reverse, but you can start now. So like if you had some, let's say you had a property deal or a business deal and you were desperate for the money for it, you know, good advice would be to get out on the phones, get out to networking events, business networking events, hustle, you know, just try and find anyone who might buy it um, or anyone who knows anyone. Push, 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 push. Now, you probably will end up, if you do that, getting a deal, but you'll also push a lot of people away and that will be the cost of desperation. And people can often sense desperation. People never want to give you money, lend you money, JV with you or invest in you because of your desperation to solve your pain. They want to do it to meet their needs. So just as a little tangent, because I've, I've sort of started talking about a hypothetical, which I'm now going to interrupt myself on. But if you focus on asking for money to meet their needs, you know, would you like a better return on investment rather than will you give me money for um, would you like something secure and long term for your future rather than lend me money for this property deal? Um, don't ever use words like I need uh, then, you know, but at least you need you need to present your proposition conversationally or even in sort of material or pitching terms in a way that is a benefit to them and not a solution for you. And that's why people don't like desperation because they feel like they're doing it for you to solve your problems rather than meet their own needs. OK, back to this hypothetical then. So imagine that you needed money for a business or a property venture or whatever, or a double salary in two years time. Imagine you need it in two years time. What would you do? Okay. In fact, you're not allowed to even ask for the money now. You have to wait for two years. Well, if you were smart, you'd go to business networking events. You'd go and meet property investors. You'd go and meet angels, VCs. You'd go to charity balls. You'd try and meet successful, wealthy individuals and, and business people. You'd ask them if they know anyone who, etc. And you wouldn't because you couldn't ask for the money and you wouldn't need the money then. All you'd focus on doing is building the relationship, following up, getting to know them as a person and just generally getting seen and trusted. Now, two years time, let's say you've done that with 10 or 20 people. Money's there. You don't even have to ask. You just say, hey, look, I've got a deal. Here it is. Are you interested? And the money will flow. And you'll have a choice of people which means you can negotiate better terms, which means you don't lose a deal because you lose money because you only had one person. But people are often looking to raise money when they're desperate, when they really need it, rather than thinking, well, I might need it in six months or 12 months or 24 months. Um, so if you act like that now, even if you need the money in a month, because if you need the money in a month and you act desperate, you're going to push people away. But if you need the money in a month and you think, OK, well, Rob said, imagine that I built a really good relationship over two years. How can I do that same thing? But in a month, that just means, you know, you might need 10 or 15 touch points with them. Um, and, you know, when you're doing it slowly and naturally, that might take six months or more. But if you've got to make it happen in a month, you can make it happen in a month. I um, raised, you know, a good few deposits for deals, probably a dozen in the first year um, of working with Mark. And probably the first property we bought was maybe March 
and I'd met him in December at the end. So really, it was the third month of me knowing Mark uh, that we raised money uh, together. Uh, now, one, it was de-risked because I didn't ask for it. Two, you know, like he was able to put it in with his solicitors and get a charge on it. So that's something else you can do with people's, um, you know, with doing joint ventures and raising finances. Um, make sure they're de-risked. Um, you know, like if, if anything was lost, Mark's interest and cash was protected. So that made it easier. But the thing with Mark and um, myself is we spent a lot of time together um, in the, what, uh, two months, like as much as some people spend together in a year. And so therefore I time bridged and reduced the amount of actual time we needed to build the trust because we were seeing each other maybe every two or three days. So if you need the money quicker, you want to follow that same concept of building that relationship, but you just need to time bridge it shorter and, and be in touch with them a lot more consistently to build maybe those seven or 10 touch points or those magic seven hours of knowing someone before there's that trust. Because you wouldn't give someone money who just went up and did a, a little promotion and, hey, I need a deal. And oh, yeah, go and give them the money if you didn't know them. OK, right. Uh, what do we got left here? Yeah, one more final thing then. Uh, and that is that um, sometimes people are asking or attracting small amounts of money that are getting in the way of bigger amounts of money. So I see a lot of people in property, when they're looking to raise finance, they're, they're, they ask for the deposit. But if you ask for the deposit, that's all you're going to get. But it's far easier to finance a property deal when you ask for the full amount. It's far easier to ask for 100 grand and settle at 70 grand than ask for 25 grand and get 75 grand. You'll never get 75 grand if you ask for 25 grand. And you assume that you can't ask for the full purchase price of a property um, because you assume that's a lot of money because you measure what's a lot of money based on your measurement and your fears and your experience. When in reality, um, a millionaire has no problem with putting 75 or 100 grand into a property deal. So don't talk yourself out of bigger amounts of money by asking for smaller amounts of money. Um, and certainly with property deals, for those of you that are watching live in the progressive community, it is far easier. I'm not saying you can't get finance through with JVs and a, a lender, another lender. But when you've got more than one lender involved, private or institutional, just getting that deal through is a lot more tricky. Whereas buying the property for cash is a lot easier, a lot quicker. And also you'll get the best deals. So, you know, if I was putting this into a reverse sales pitch, which is this is a pitch, but it's not a pitch. You know, I might say something like, well, if we can buy the property uh, for cash, we can get a much better deal and you can get a better return on your investment and a better yield. So if we can buy the property for cash, you can get a better deal, you can get a better return and you can get a better yield. It's just very conversational, but a lot more persuasive and a benefit to them, therefore, of investing all the money in. Um, so let me summarise because people tell me that they like the summaries that I do. Um, if you're uncomfortable about asking for money, uh, for, uh, go to the root cause and, and ask yourself honestly, why am I uncomfortable about asking for money? Understand that that's your upbringing or your uh, just your outlook or your perception. It's not a fact or a reality. Um, if you're not asking for money, you should probably challenge yourself a little bit more to ask for money. Um, but if you're the sort of person that pushes people away because you ask for money a lot, you probably need to take a little bit more time. Um, maybe you worry about what people think about you. Maybe that you perceive that they will perceive you're greedy. Maybe you can't take rejection or you feel that you'll get ridiculed. Or you feel that people will talk about you or that you're not credible or that you're not ready. Um, you know, or that you haven't done enough deals yet. You've not got enough proof. They might not like you. You might lose business if you go and ask for the money. 
Um, you don't value yourself, as Nikki has just said on the live. Um, if you don't value yourself, why should anyone else? No one will invest in you if you don't feel like you're investable. So, yeah, you know, there's um, if we're at that level, then I might need to do a little bit more deep work with you. But that my next book will be about that. So um, stay tuned for that one. Uh, OK, so um, what you think they're thinking about how they might reject you? Uh, they probably don't. They're probably not. Um, they're probably worried about their own life. Uh, also, I like to test rather than push. So, you know, is this deal something that is of interest to you? Is a test. It's, I'm not asking for the money, but I'm asking for the money. So you can always make the test sale, the pre-sale, if you like, and then continually take feedback and then work that into your conversational pitches and your reverse selling. And all of a sudden you'll get a lot better and there'll be a lot less friction. Remember to always ask yourself, what's the bigger pain? Is the bigger pain not asking for the money? That feels a bit uncomfortable in the short term. Or is the bigger pain not making a load of money in the long term? Um, because I know um, for me, when I've got a lot of things going on, the short term pain or the long term pain of not being successful and making money. It, once I get to that A or B choice, it's really easy to make the right choice. Um, try and reverse sell, which is build a relationship and have a conversation and at the right time, introduce the business or the commercial aspect without really pushing too hard and asking for the money. If you build enough relationships, they'll start saying things like, well, tell me more or show me the numbers or let's have a look at the deal or this property thing you've been talking about for a while. I'm really interested in it. Um, if you just converse a lot and tell a lot of people what you're doing, they'll start asking what you're doing in a little bit more detail or they'll put themselves in the position of allow, inviting you to tell them more. Um, and in that case, you've got permission to pitch and then you've probably not got the rejection. Imagine starting two years ago and knowing that today was the day where you needed the money and you were going to ask for the money and you couldn't ask for the two years before. How might you behave differently? Well, you'd take your time. You'd build relationships. You wouldn't go in there too hard or be too you know, persistent. You know, there's all this hustle grind, 10x, be persistent, be resilient. Well, sometimes persistence is annoying. Sometimes persistence is pushing people away. So there's got to be this balance between persistence and patience. And then remember, if you're going to go and ask for some money, ask for a higher amount first because you can always come down. Don't ask for a lower amount just because you believe it's a lot because they may not. It might, be, it might be pocket money to them. You never know how much money people have got. So never try and guess or never try and judge or assume. You know, some people that you think have got loads of money might not have it. And some people you'd never imagine have got lots of money, have got millions and millions and millions. Always treat someone like they're going to be a, a, a business partner or a lender, um, you know, or a JV partner to you for a long time. Uh, treat them as an individual, not as a transaction. And I think you will raise a lot more money. You'll get a lot more comfortable with raising money. It'll, there'll be less friction. It'll be a more enjoyable process. OK, um, I'm doing a new series. I'm going to do a journey through getting out of debt. So going from debt to zero, then zero to 100 grand, 100 grand to 500 grand, 500 grand to a million, a million to five million, five million to 10 million and 10 million plus. Uh, and I'm going to give you some specific on the ground granular techniques and tips. Um, there's probably going to be 30 to 60 minutes per episode of going through those various stages. Um, yeah, something I've never done before, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And it's going to be exclusively on the money podcast. I'll probably do one episode maybe every couple of weeks. So there will be episodes in between. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this new series. Uh, and you can really use that as your model and your benchmark to go through those various stages to go from debt to hopefully, you know, 20 million or more. Who knows? Thanks for tuning in. And remember, you don't risk anything, risk everything.